Thank you. Thank you. Could be bad if it hit the ground. That would kind of be the end of the message. I've had a blast being here in California for this week, and I uh, just want to thank those who invited me to come. What a privilege it is to get to be here. You know, I was 15 years old, and I was bored. And, you know, bored 15-year-old guys particularly. Now, I don't know about bored 15-year-old girls because I've never been a girl, so I don't know exactly what's going on there, but I know what there is with the guys. And uh, it was early evening. I didn't know what to do, so I headed to Washington Lanes. And before I go any farther, I want to quote a verse for you. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. And this big word prudent here means those people who've kind of got their heads screwed on right, kind of know, kind of got some wisdom. The prudent people give thought to their steps. So I headed out to Washington Lanes. This, see, this is, the, this is the sign now. It looked much better when I was a kid, but this is what we've got now. It was a bowling alley in my neighborhood. Uh, my neighborhood had all kinds of things, uh, taverns and gas stations and that kind of thing. There were three taverns that I passed walking to school every day. And so it was just kind of a normal thing to have something like that. And we loved to hang out at the bowling alley because the bowling alley was, it gave us just a little bit of where you could kind of rub with adults, you know. There was a pinball machine, the old kind, not the new kind. The one that we used to, we, we drilled a hole in the side of it so we could get three games out of it, stick a coat hanger in it. Yes, I ran with some really good guys. And, uh, you know, and we would hang around there. They had a snack bar, and they had a, a you know, a, a tavern thing, a bar behind, you know, we couldn't kind of get into. And so it was a little bit of danger, and we were kind of, I'm sure that the people who owned the bowling alley were hoping for us to grow up, but they probably knew there were others that were coming after us. So anyway, I headed up to the bowling alley. I was bored, nothing to do. thought some of my buds would be up there, and they were up there, and they were bored too. So they're sitting around this table, and one guy says, hey, he said, I've got, I, I got some eggs at Ghost Town. Now, there was a little place. There's the eggs right there. Let's see if we can go to the next picture. That. This resembles what Ghost Town looked like. It was just kind of a, a ratty area that somebody had just left, the garage behind some other houses and stuff. The town I grew up in was a really, it's a really old town. It's been there a long time, so it's just kind of normal. And one of my buddies had hidden eggs there. Now, nobody asked him why. He's hidden eggs there. But it fit. The kid's name was Kiki. And he was a little guy, real smarty little guy, you know, the kind that you'd like to. Anyway, moving along. Uh, so anyway, we, somebody says, yeah, what, what should we do? I said, why don't we throw eggs at the house? Okay. So we picked some kid's house that none of us liked, probably because he was studious and was trying to do something with his life, probably. And uh, now nah, he was a pain. Anyway, so I, and, you know, I didn't like the kid, but I didn't like him. I didn't, I didn't dislike him so much that I would throw eggs at his house. Plus, if you were here last week, you know about Nero and Norma Jean, who are my parents, who <laughs> they both had the fear in me in different ways. And uh, so uh, my dad's prototypical Italian guy. He's uh, short, to low to the ground, very broad, and um, you just didn't mess with him, okay? At least I tried to a couple of times, and decided that wasn't a good idea. So anyway, I would, but anyway, we, so we had this idea that we would go throw eggs at this guy's, this guy's house. Well, we kind of all herded up. One of the guys who was with us, his name was Ralph, and he was a year older than us, and he's the only one who had a car. And so I'm going to show you a picture. There's his car right there. It was a 1957 Rambler. Beautiful car. Now, can't you tell? 
really ugly. We were all really embarrassed. We, we didn't, anyway, he's the only one, when we got in his car, we had to put a buck or something, we had to put something into the glove box in order to ride because he wasn't going to pay for it. So anyway, we hopped in his car, and so we're on our way, we're going over that way. Now, let me tell you something. Teenage guys and nothing to do is a dangerous combination, always. <laughs> and even though I knew it was wrong I, I, in my heart, I didn't know Jesus at this time. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And uh, I wouldn't have known God if he had run over me with a truck, basically. I was not looking for him. Didn't know what he looked like. And even though I knew this was wrong, I couldn't risk appearing uncool. Have you ever been there? You just can't risk it. It just the cost is just too high. Now the Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five it says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Well, I no bib I'd never read anything in the Bible, so no biblical principles were rolling around in my head at this time. But I knew it was wrong. So I thought, you know, but I but I can't really say, Hey guys, uh, let's not do that or uh I'm, I, I'm not going. I could not risk that. So I piled in the car with the rest of them. But I said, hey, I just, I don't want to throw any eggs. Well, that gave them, which there were seven of us that piled in the car. So that gave each of them two eggs. And they were okay with that. That gave them more. So as we traveled along, as you'll see in Act 2 here on your sheet, Act 2, Proverbs 21, 24 says that mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. And mockers are ones that make fun of everything. They make fun of other people. They make fun of being right. They make fun of, of anything that they're not into. They'll mock it. And I grew up with professional mockers. And I was right in there with them. So we, we're rolling over there. It's not far from the bowling alley to the, to the street that we're going to. All seven of us crammed in the car in the darkness, devising what we thought was a foolproof plan. You know, it's hard to see stupid when you're in it and when you think you're so smart. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.7 that the mouths of fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very lives. They trap themselves. Now, Act 3 is the execution, what we did, how we did it. Proverbs 14.8 says the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. They deceive themselves, really. So what we did, this was our plan. We had parked down the street, down a street that deaded and dead ended into the prey. You can see there's a street going this way, street going this way, dead ended. So we parked down this street, Julia Street. And this, his house was on Arizona. So we could see his house. So we parked down there. This is a part of our, our well thought out plan. Everyone was issued two eggs except me. We were to throw the eggs, run back to the car, and then head back to the bowling alley. That was our plan. Now, Proverbs 22.3 says the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, our foolproof plan didn't go as planned. It did, however, prove that we were fools. In our haste, our arrogance, we overlooked three, at least three important details. And number one is that the house had an aluminum screen door. Which when you hit an aluminum, when you hit the house, it's kind of a clink, clink. When you hit the screen door, it's a crash. We hadn't planned for that. What was the second thing we didn't plan for? We didn't plan for the interior light in the car to come on. Which always comes on when the doors are open, right? 
so and then we didn't plan for a response to our actions so act four we're going to talk about the unexpected and this is where the proverbs tells us proverbs seventeen twelve says better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on his folly okay so here's what happened so we're running back to the car and we hit the screen door and it's oh no you know it's we're running back to the car. There's seven of us. We jam in the Rambler. The Rambler's gone. We jam in the Rambler. Now, I had an unfortunate situation. Well, let me, let me not get ahead of myself. We jammed into the Rambler. And unbeknownst, well, well, we barely got in the car, and this other car come flying down the street with its no lights on. Parks right next to our car. You know, the dome lights on. You know, we really were stupid i mean think about that oh no you know and so we pile in the car and this the, the, and it's it's the dad of the kid whose house we've been at here you with me and he pulls razor sh close to the car where we're in and i'm in an unfortunate position because i have the seat behind the driver which is the side that the dad has pulled this car on so I can't get out. So the dad slams on the brakes. He and we're, we're in the car because we think, he can't see us. We're in the car. Well, he yanks open the passenger side door and grabs one of my buddies, Frankie. Now, I would like to tell you Frankie's last name, but I don't know if I should because his name would fit into this whole thing. And I guess I should. Frankie Piccolo. Frankie and Jimmy were both in the car, and uh, the dad grabs him, and Frankie just cold cocks him, just knocks him flat on his back. <laughs> of course, I'm like, whoa! And the rest of the guys just in their rush, they're just running over the dad. And so I'm trying to get out, and I get out, and he reaches up and grabs me. I'm just caught. The rest of the guys, they're, they're on their way, and that was unexpected. The unexpected, the dome lights, the aluminum screen door, the dad, his response, how quick he responded to it. And then that Frankie had just cold cocked the guy, just knocked him down while the other guys just ran over him. And uh, Ralph just left his car, by the way. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, now let's go to Proverbs 26, 27. If you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it <laughs> yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. Life has a way. Reality has a way of coming to find us. So here's what happened. The dad's got a hold of me, and I'm not going to hit him, okay? I know that's wrong. And so makes me get in the car with him. They get in the car with him. We drive up to his house, and we're inside the house. And the mother's crying, and the son's crying, and the dad's crying, and I'm crying too. We're all crying. I don't know exactly. I know what I'm crying about. I'm crying about being here. I'm crying about what's going to happen. And, and you remember Nero and Norma Jean. I'm crying about that too. I'm just crying. And they're weeping. And the mother says to me, why would you do this to us? I'm like, and you know, the upstanding person that I am at the time, I come up with this answer. I don't know. 
Because I really don't know. I didn't want to say because your son's an absolute jerk. And we all hate them. So I'm just sitting there, and they're just crying, and the mother's just wailing. And why would you do such a thing to us? What have we ever done to you? Well, you know, no, <laughs> we, always get, we, we tend to always get to see the fun of these things. But let me tell you, there's another side to these things. And it was being in the front room with his parents in their house on Arizona Avenue. Which, by the way, eh, I'll get to that. So they call the cops. And the cops come and get me. <laughs> they come and get me. They've got a pol- at the time they have a station wagon police car, which I'd never seen before. So I thought it was kind of unique. But I was like, you know, you need to stay the course here, pal. You're in trouble. So they put me in the, in the car. And guess what they did? They drove to the bowling alley. Because all of my buds had gone to the bowling alley. I mean, they all hurried. That's where we're supposed to go. So they, because they knew that's where the troublemakers hung out. They drove up there. They put them all in the car with me, except Ralph. Ralph had run back to his own house. And uh, but I, here, I want you to know something. I did not squeal on my friends. It's important that you know that because I wasn't going to squeal at them. I didn't have to tell the police where to go. They knew where to go. Because they're going to be crap if you tell them where we are. You know, no, because you know, remember that peer thing. Peer pressure will make you do interesting. You really don't want to do it. So anyway, I'm in the cop car. We drive to Ralph's house, and I'll never forget. They opened the you know the tailgate, and Ralph climbed in because we're all friends in there. Ralph climbs in and says, "Hey, what's going on, guys?" <laughs> and I'm thinking, I said, "What's going on? We're gonna get arrested. We're going to jail, Ralph. That's what's going on." He was that kind of guy, eh, you know. So anyway, they took us back to the parents' house. And they lined us up in the street out in front of his house. It's pitch black outside. And remember, now, I want you to know, I want you to picture, I'm on Arizona Avenue, about three houses down from Washington Street in front of his house. And right around the corner is where Norma and Norma Jean and Nero are, okay? So I'm pretty close here. And they line us up here, and the policeman's got a flashlight, and the dad's standing there, and he clicks... Is this one of them? Yes. Is this one of them? I mean, it goes right down the line, all seven of us. And I'm just like, my life's over, you know? Looks like I can't be an astronaut, <laughs> you know, because they only take good guys. And, and then the policeman says now, he says, if you want to file a complaint, we'll take them downtown right now and we'll book them. And I will never forget what the dad said. The dad said, no, let him go. And, you know, side note here. That's grace. That's God's grace in action. No, let him go. And he did, and I creeped my way over back over to 805 East Washington Street and acted like nothing had happened. Because nothing had happened. But I did make a decision. I did make a decision that day that I ought to think about changing my friend group. Oh, one other thing. Um, the policeman had a little black book that he pulled out. And he, he wrote all of our names down and our addresses and phone numbers and everything. And he said, if there's any more egg throwing in this neighborhood, we're coming for you. No questions asked. You seven guys are who we're going to get. And I'm thinking, oh, no. I'm in the black book. Remember, I'm only 15, okay? I know most everything there is to know in life, but I wasn't aware of the black book. 
at this point. So I'm thinking I, I, I ought to get, uh, I, I maybe ought to think about changing my clothes. So I thought about that. And, you know, uh, let's go to part two. So we've got part one. We've ended that one. I'm back home. All's cool. Bebop back to the Bolinelli. We can laugh about it. Because, you know, you just kind of, you just keep that right up against danger and didn't fall in. You know, you, and you're lying right up with the, try to, try to get all the way to the edge of the cliff and not fall off. Well, that's what we did. So, you know, we were kind of, you know, nobody talking about, well, we shouldn't have done that, man. Right? Ah, are you kidding? We still had fun with that. But I was, wa I, I thought about, I got to get away from these guys. Because these are the guys that I grew up with, okay? These are the guys that were my friends from, not from birth. But, you know, I mean, these are the guys you went to school with, you played with from the time you're little. And, um, I mean, they were my buds. They were the people that, they had, anybody have buds like that? They're just your buds. I mean, you didn't make, you go, well, this guy's a real upstanding guy. I think I'll be his friend. And he'll be nothing. No, you're just hanging out with the people who are around. So, anyway, I, but, you know, let, let me read another verse to you. Proverbs 10.23 says, A fool finds pleasure in wicked things. That's the part I want to. A fool finds pleasure in wicked things. And although I didn't know Jesus yet, I knew that what I was a part of and who I was becoming was wrong and kind of stupid. And I knew that I was headed, the direction I was headed in was not a direction that I really wanted to go in. So after that incident, I did make, I, I thought about making the decision again about changing the friendship group that I had. But... While I'd escaped that situation, I'd escaped that I hadn't yet escaped stupid. <laughs> a few weeks later, I found myself at the bowling alley again, bored with nothing to do, and the Washington Street Boys. And, and that was a different crew. So there was more than, you know, it wasn't like 50 guys, but, you know, it was about 15 or 20 guys. But there was only a certain number there. And I was back at the bowling alley again, again when, tr when the idea of throwing eggs at cars this time came up. And I opted out. I'm like, Mm. There was enough guys there that I somehow they'd say, hey, you know, I, I must have made up something. I can't remember what it was, but I kind of opted out. And, and again, you know, there's a limit number of eggs that could go around, so most guys were okay with that. But what I wanted to, what, what I did was I, two of the guys that I was particularly close to, I said, hey, after you guys are done, I want to hear about all the things that happened. See, a fool loves wicked schemes, and I just wanted a piece of the action. I wanted to be warm enough, close enough to the fire to not get burned. I hadn't escaped stupid. So I said, hey, I'll meet you guys at Gallagher's Tavern, which is one of the taverns in the neighborhood that we used to hang out at, sit on the, sit on the steps there. We, couldn't, we could go inside only to get a Coke and come back out, maybe a bag of pretzels or something. But we'd sit there because you want to you know, you be close to what the adults are doing, don't you? And so anyway, I'm sitting there on the step, and I'm waiting for the guys to show up. And it's taken a long time way longer than it should have taken. So I uh, I head up to the gas station, you know, and there's two of my buddies leaning against the Coke machine looking nonchalant. I don't know what nonchalant looks like, but they were doing it. And uh, <laughs> they both had their letter jackets on, by the way, okay, which would have been kind of smart to take those off, but I don't know. Stupid is stupid. So anyway, I walk up there, and they're like, and they're just, <laughs> they're like, Mr. Kraft, we hit an off-duty cop, and he's chasing us. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, this is a bad thing. And I'm like, 
the book, the black book. And so <laughs> he's chasing us, and he's called some of his friends in, and they're chasing us. And I'm like, why are you guys standing? I didn't say this because I was too stupid to say this at the time. He's like, why don't you take your coats off and go home? I mean, anyway, they're leaning up against the coat machine, and so I'm thinking, I got to get home. I am exposed. So I start to head up, the, uh, head up Washington Street very slowly and looking very innocent. <laughs> I don't know exactly how that looked, but I was sure trying to look like it. So I'm walking up the street looking real innocent, and a buddy of mine from across the street, Billy, who loves trouble, okay, he goes, he yells, come quickly. And it, he yells in a whisper voice, strap. You know what I mean? Whisper voice, strap, strap. Better get home. The cops are after us. So I head back toward where, you remember I showed you ghost town? I headed back there because there's a little alley back there. I'm dashing up the alley to get to the house. So I cross the street from the house, and I notice there's nobody coming either way. And <laughs> I dash right up there and <laughs> right in the room, under the bed, basically, in the house. So there I am. Well, I find out next day. <laughs> find out some things next day that was uh, very interesting. Um, the policeman did indeed catch up with them. Once again, I think one of my buddies, uh, they were running across the field, and the cop said, stop, I got a gun. Okay. So they, they arrest them. They haul them in. They take them downtown. They book them. They put them in jail, and they call their parents to come get them. And I've wondered about what that would have been like if Nero had come to get me. I don't believe I would be here today. I believe there might have been a child... Uh, I don't know what would have happened, but I don't want to really think about it. <laughs> and <laughs> so the next day, I'm, these guys are just, you know, they're, 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 they're not happy. And um, they're like, you know. And one of the guys who I was, one of the ones I was particularly close to, he told me his dad said, where's Strapazon? The rest of you are here. Where's he at? He's, he's, he wasn't a part of this plan. Well, and I thought. Man, I got out of this deal. Well, come to find out later that the cops did come to my house. My mother just told them I was home when I wasn't. Now, what did happen to these guys where they were booked? They went to jail. They had to go before the court, and they had something they had to do to get out of that. And um, <laughs> it was at this point that I thought, you know, I need to. Uh, I need to have. I need to be thinking differently about this. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." Proverbs thirteen twenty. Now, there are three things, three things that I learned. And uh, first one is to choose wisely who you run with, who your influencers are going to be. Now, most of you today are not going to be tempted with killing eggs or cars about. I hope. But you will be tempted with other things. And a lot of what we're tempted with has to do some with the people who are in our lives, the influences in our lives. And so you want to think about who, who am I really spending my time with? Who, who is it that who, – who is it I could spend some time with that would, would lift me up or would encourage me more to walk with Jesus? To look around and who would who might that be? Well, see the guys that I grew up with, I, I didn't have to make friends with them. 
We just were friends. We just showed up in the same sandlots together. We just went to school together. But what I needed to do at that point was to choose some different kind of people who were going for it. And I'd always said I wanted to go to college, but nobody in my family ever went to college before. So nobody knew what that would take or what that was like. And with the grades I had at the time, I was cruising towards some other kind of job. But I, I thought I wanted the other, so I needed, but what I needed to do now was to choose some kids in high school that I kind of wanted, I, I saw the life they were living and who they were, and maybe I wanted to be more like them. So you want to choose wisely who you hang around with. And look around, see who it is that's maybe achieving something you want, that, or, or who somebody who, who appears to be trusting God with their life, hang around with them. Or if there's somebody who's really good at something they do, hang around with them. Spend time with them. Choose who's going to be the direct influence in somebody's life. And, you know, I did that. I began to hang out with some different kids at, at school and stuff. And um, I did have to pay consequences for that because my buds didn't like that much. When I tried to hang, you know, I tried to walk in both worlds because they still were my buds. And I tried to walk in both worlds, but they were not about to let that happen. They said, why don't you go spend time with your other buds? Try to sit with them at lunch, and they'd say, go sit over there, Strap. Go with your new friends. So there was a cost, and there will be a cost to you, too, in choosing a, a friend group that would influence your life and an impact on your life in a way that would push you forward in a positive way that won't derail the things that you want in your life or discourage the things you want in your life. Or, or maybe just not encourage the things you want. So you're going to have to choose. If you're going to escape the land of the stupid, you're going to have to choose something different. Now, number two, and I didn't know this at the time at all, and, it, and later I found this out, but recognize God's involvement in all of life and ask him to help you. You know, God's involved in all of our lives. Bible, uh, you know, fools or stupid people refuse to acknowledge God and fear him or recognize that he's involved and that he's watching everything. And, um, but if we'll cry out to God, he will help us too. That when you get yourself in a spot, the first thing you need to do is talk to Jesus. Don't call your friend. Don't call your mama. Don't call your daddy. Call Jesus. If you know him, you call Jesus and ask him to help you to get you out of this situation. Now, the fool says in his heart, Psalm 14.1, there's no God, and they're corrupt, and their deeds are vile. The world that we live in is full of people who think no judgment is coming. They've gotten away with it because they haven't gotten caught by the police. And see, I've gotten away with it because I haven't gotten caught by the police, but it damaged my heart. It damaged me inside. I knew what I was doing was wrong. Now, I don't know if some of the other guys did or not, but I did. And so a fool says in his heart there is no God, so it's okay to steal things. It's okay to treat people poorly as long as you don't get caught because God sees everything, everything. And when 
you go to be with when, when you when your life comes to an end, even right now, you want to have the grace of God poured upon your life to cry out for God to forgive you for the things you've done wrong and to ask him to give you a new start and to take that away. God sees everything and knows everything. And you know, one of the things that we're all counting on and people who don't even know Jesus will count on someday those people will get saved. Well, he's going he's gonna to produce the gift of it. See, God is everything. And he's a rewarder, by the way, the Bible tells us, of those who earnestly seek him, who make choices to seek him. He rewards those in a special way. So I, I, I later realized the presence of God everywhere in my life, in everything that I do. See, Proverbs 15.5, to go on, says, A fool's friends are parents' discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. A fool's friends discipline, just period. They hate it. They don't like it. Ah, oh, that's the police. They caught me. But what were you doing? Well, I didn't like it there. Or, you know, they sent me to the principal's office. Well, what were you doing? Well, you know, I just told the teacher. And there can become this attitude of it's sort of us against them, the authorities against us. And see, a fool is the one who spurns that. Now, now, so, now, now, let me put a little asterisk here. Sometimes we are accused unjustly, okay? And those things happen, and that's not right and divine integrity. But discipline has, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. For those of us who know Jesus, God uses discipline in our life in a special way. And, and also, he also he uses it in a, in, you know, when I was throwing those eggs, well, I wasn't throwing the eggs, but I was hanging around the guys who were, getting caught was a good thing because it will stop me from doing something worse. So if I don't get caught, then I think I got away with it. So maybe I'll push it a little farther this time and a little farther the next time. And whenever we get, you know, one of the things that we prayed for our daughter when she was little was, Lord, if she, if she does something really wrong, we pray she'll get caught. Because when they get caught, there's a chance for them to turn away from that and to turn to good and to turn to God. And so getting caught can be the thing that changes our life for the better. And for me, that's what happened. I got caught. I didn't get caught caught because I didn't end up with, you know, a police record and having to face a new age. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Let me just stop for a minute. Kind of calm my heart. Um, but I got caught enough to realize I don't want to continue to do that. Now, I could just get mad at the cops. I could get mad at the dad. Well, he shouldn't have called the cops, you know. And there's sort of an attitude of that. And, you know, if Mike hadn't hit the screen door, dummy, then we wouldn't have got caught. But see, God was in his grace allowed me to get caught so that I could change the way I was going. And when you do get caught, you have an opportunity to either change your direction or harden yourself to doing that and maybe getting caught. Now, in Hebrews... In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says this, says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. To understand that God, allow, God, God disciplines us in our lives for our good, not for our bad. And so we begin to get a different perspective on why things happen. 
And I'm not just always going to get mad against the world and you did this to me. But there'll be a sense in which I can say, now, what, what could God maybe be teaching me in this story? What could I learn from this? How could I become more like him in the person that I really want to be? Or I can get mad about it and go deeper probably into it. Now, you know the thing, I, I have an epilogue on this. You never really fully escape from stupid. You need to know that. Stupid will continue to call to you all your life. You've got to keep your eyes on it. Father, thank you for the time we've had here together today. I pray, Lord, that what we've spoken about here today would really, really be a big help to some people. I don't know what they're facing, but I do know that all of us face challenges. I know that today, Lord, I'm going to the airport where the airport is full of planes. And TSA is always a problem. And, Lord, I pray that you would help me to care more about those people than I would care about how fast I'm flying. And, Lord, stupid is just all around us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me, you would help us to continue to escape from stupid. In Jesus' name.